0: Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh. You know, you're going to run out of food before this
1: water goes down.
0: How cute that you even consider tomorrow and the next day. I just hope that thing falls apart near the shoreline. It
1: will fall apart.
2: Welcome to our podcast. I'm Lucy and this is The Walking Dead cast episode 324. Jason isn't feeling well this week but don't worry you're not completely left on your own with me because we have a special guest this week and our guest is Emily Reeves. Welcome Emily. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to have you on. I love your voicemails. Um, So it's a real treat to get to talk to you in person. Can we say in person? I'm going to say in person.
1: Yeah, it's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird being on because usually I, you know, I, I call in and, you know, if if the call's wrong, I can always go back and redo it, you know. And uh-huh. But this, this, you know, there's all the mistakes are going to be just hanging out there. So that'll be good. <laughs>
2: I felt exactly the same when I started podcasting. I I was like, oh, I can't really stop and rewind and redo it. This is strange, but I promise Jason is a kind (laughs) editor, so uh, hopefully it won't be too horrifying for you.
1: (laughs) I'll keep him busy this week. Yeah. (laughs) Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, it's no surprise to anybody that I'm from Arizona. Pretty much every week, I'm I'm Emily from Arizona on the call. Um, but I, I grew up in Minnesota and then, um, after mm-hmm. I got married, uh, me and my husband went to Washington cause he, uh, went into the Navy. We lived in oh, Washington wow. state for about 10 years and then, uh, came back to Arizona cause I didn't want to go back to Minnesota. <laughs> so you're a long time listener of the show. Yeah. You know, I started listening, um, I want to say between seasons two and three of The Walking Dead, I kind of binged, like, season one and two of The Walking Dead in between seasons, um, and I a- actually binged The Walking Dead cast as well, so that when season yeah. three started, I was all caught up on everything and been listening ever since. I think I think the only episodes that I've ever missed were ones where there would be, like, a movie review to a movie I didn't want mm-hmm. to spoil or something like mm-hmm. that. Otherwise, I've, I've listened to them all, so...
2: That's amazing. Well, I'm so delighted to have you on. Um, Sending our best wishes to Jason as well for a speedy recovery. Um, The other thing to mention is there is Hurricane Florence is coming towards people on the east coast of the United States. And we're really hoping that everyone, um, all of our listeners are keeping safe and warm and Mm -hmm. dry in light of the bad weather. So yeah, stay safe, people. Mm -hmm. Well. Without further ado, let's get into the Deadcast Top Five.
0: Attention, shoppers! Deadcast Top Five in five, four, three,
2: two. Okay, so so we're here with the top five highlights for Fear the Walking Dead season four, episode thirteen, Blackjack. And um, in general, Emily, what did you think of the episode?
1: It was, for me, it was kind of like a so-so episode, which I'm okay with. I, you know, I tend to be pretty patient when it comes to Mm -hmm. watching long, long series of shows, you know, that run for eight, Mm -hmm. nine seasons. I'm okay with the slower episodes, and this one was definitely slow, Um, but it, I mean, it was okay, you know, the plot didn't go anywhere, but. I was okay with it because John Dory was in it and Strand was in well, it and
2: they were yeah. together,
1: which was very fun to watch. So yeah, I'll give it, cool. you know, three and a half, three point seven
2: five, 3.75, something like that. I think, I think for once, I'm not going to have to play good cop. I think I'm just going to be a regular <laughs> cop because I, I agree. I completely agree with what you're saying there. It was, yeah, it was I think I liked it better than some previous weeks but there were other elements where I was like mm, this could have been stronger. Well
1: then I'm gonna have to change my answer because then I'm gonna have to say that I give it five stars and it was the best episode <laughs> I've ever seen. And, I'm uh, so
2: used to being the cheery one. That would be amazing. That would be oh I would love that. I just I'm so used to being the good cop now. I'm just like, oh, I can I can complain about things. Sorry Jason, we love you. Um so without further ado then we'll get into our top five and you get to be the guest of honor today. So what was your number five?
1: All right, well, um my number five was the Moby Dick Obsessive Pursuits.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Strand had Moby Dick and he was reading that, that book. And, um, you know, whenever like a a television show or a movie or a book is referenced in, you know, The Walking Dead, you kind of got to figure out, mm-hmm. okay, now now why did they choose the, that book? And um, yeah, I think Jason talked about it a little last week, too, that people are kind of really one-minded about something, some kind of pursuit. And it was kind of that way in this episode as well, strand was just kind of really adamant about his wine. (laughs) And he, he actually risked his life to get the wine out of that truck. And the truck happened to be white too. So I don't, I don't know if Mm. everybody is probably familiar with Moby Dick about Captain Ahab's obsession with the albino whale named Moby Dick. And Mm. so, you know, he probably, uh, should have found maybe a better way to get that wine out of the truck, but, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> he was, he, he, you know, he had that single focus and, you know, John is just determined to get back to June and June is determined to get back to John. And then Al, obviously with her van, she's just, that's just her focus right now is just getting her van back. And then Mm -hmm. Morgan is just kind of looking for everyone and trying to help everyone, and that's like his mission right now is to just get everybody back together. And then with Luciana, it was the beer. (laughs) She's just Mm -hmm. trying to look for beer, and which I thought was funny because I thought, you know, maybe they just needed to give her something to do (laughs) because otherwise she'd be dead right now Um, because she just doesn't have anything going on right now so they just decided to have her look for beer <laughs>
2: I guess but I uh, mean I've I've been in that situation but you know <laughs> just, just look for nothing beer. to do let's look for beer <laughs> well you know you got to find
1: something to do and it, it actually reminded you me know, of times the, are uh, tough. the Beth episode uh oh shoot yeah. you know that the whole episode was them trying to find uh, some kind of alcohol and uh
2: Yeah, didn't she end up with was it schnapps or something? And Daryl's like, ain't gonna be drinking no schnapps. <laughs> so I like, believe it was peach it was something schnapps. Really Yeah, yeah.
1: That's but, right. They yeah, ended up yeah. with the moon so that was that was cool. But uh yeah, that was one of those I, I, I'm one of those rare people that actually like that episode. Oh
2: no no, I'm with you.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. But um it did remind me of, you know, that that episode with Luciana looking for her beer. Uh, for this guy, mm. so yeah, and then I thought it was also interesting with the Moby Dick comparison. How Moby Dick rams the Pequod, I think it's called the the ship that Captain Ahab oh, on, and he yeah. sinks it. And the same thing happens with I don't know if it's an alligator or crocodile, big scaly, <laughs> big scaly rams John's yeah, big boat, big scaly, and uh, and sinks their boat. And so there's a compare, you know kind of compare there too where it's it's kind of the same idea Mm. where they're trying to get to the other side but big scaly comes in and rams the boat and then they sink so it's a lot like
2: Moby Dick in that regard as well. That is just sublime I love that um you've tickled all my like lit geek (laughs) like senses there with that one that's fantastic I think you're totally right it is about obsessive pursuit and some pursuits are more fruitful than others and Mm. some are more worthy than others Mm -hmm. but they are there Mm -hmm. um it's funny because one of my points which i think probably is yeah i think it's not quite what you were saying but it's not as good as what you were (laughs) saying um was i was talking to my partner about it um so I'll, i'll use it as my number five is the situations that they were all in. Um, we were talking about the... Now, I'm going to say this wrong and everyone around the world is going to scream and say, no, don't talk about Star Trek. <laughs> but we were talking about the Kobayashi Maru, the idea of like a no-win situation. And mm-hmm. um, We were talking about Luciana and John in particular as being stuck in these kind of no-win situations and making the best of them. So they're sort of like tests of character in that sense. So... Luciana can't save Clayton but she can do something that makes his last moments mm-hmm. better. John can't reach shore but he's going to bloody well try mm-hmm. to and it's sort of that purpose that keeps mm-hmm. him going and it's quite interesting because you see like, Strand on the other side of that with no kind of faith and no purpose mm-hmm. but that you know his his joy in that no win situation is the um the bottle of booze, which by the way is whiskey from Scotland. Everyone, it's Lagavulin. Yeah, <laughs> it's an unusual whiskey bottle. Um, like Lagavulin, and it is famous uh because it is Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation's favorite whiskey. Uh, I have been there. It's a very lovely distillery. Um, and it actually harks back to Madison and Strand talk about drinking it in a hotel room together at some point in the period that we don't see so that is that's I mean Strand's way of dealing with the the lose-lose is to just get steam in as we would say in Scotland so you know good on him
1: (laughs) I didn't realize that they had the same same whiskey with Madison that's pretty interesting
2: yeah it was just a wee because I remember we had a we had a discussion cuz they kind of mumbled it and we were like what did he say and i'm like I'm pretty sure he said lag of ruling um so yeah in terms of that kind of obsessive pursuits and no win situations i think i looked at them a bit more pessimistically than you but i'm glad that you looked at them in the way that you did because i think the moby dick analogy is really really strong um and i thought it was interesting because it didn't come back to like a simple message of like just keep hoping and everything will be mm-hmm. fine. It it kind of came back to a sometimes things are shit, mm-hmm. other times things work out okay, people are trying. Let's go with it.
1: Absolutely. And that's kinda of like what John says with uh, you know, how you gotta fight for every single day. And he said, you know, he mm-hmm. knew it wasn't gonna, you know, have a happy ending. I I can't remember exactly how he put it, but um, you know, mm-hmm. but you gotta fight for every day and um, sometimes you fight and you win, and sometimes you fight and you lose. But you got to keep fighting.
2: Exactly, you've got to keep doing it for sure. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's really cool. Oh, I'm so glad you're on the <laughs> podcast this week, Emily. Like. I'm already having a blast. All right, that's awesome. Um, great. So we've kind of—I'll count that as my number five. Um, what? What was your number four?
1: Okay, I'll go with this theme of uh, the Walking Dead. You know the. actual words of the walking dead the concept that the living are actually the walking dead and um there's a lot of uh you know lately in this season people looking for purpose or people being resigned to not having purpose Um, Mm. and i thought it was interesting when john and strand were having that conversation And John was saying, you know, you got to fight for every single day. And if we don't, then we're no different than the past, which was kind of confusing to me at first Mm -hmm. because I thought he meant past as in the P-A-S-T, but I think he was talking about the past, (laughs) like P-A-S-S-E-D. So that took took me a while to figure out. But then um, when Strand said the only difference between us and the past is a few days of rations. And to me that really – speaks mm. to where Strand is at right now he he's kind of in that walking oh, dead yeah. zone where he he's just kind of resigned to just live out the rest of his days you know just to make the mm. best of it but knowing that you know there's pretty much mm-hmm. not anything else to live for
2: oh yeah that yeah that line about drinking to forget that he has nobody left yeah. to drink with is whoa, that's you know that's some hardcore sadness right there. Absolutely. And
1: I loved it when John said, you know, that you do have somebody to drink with just not here, um, over there. Cause I I loved how, you know, John was trying to bring him out of that a little bit. And, and, uh, yeah, -hmm. so that was, that, that would be my number four. Then is just, um, them looking for purpose or, you know, somebody maybe being resigned to not having purpose and that kind of, also went along with, you know, how some people had this, you know, one track mind of, of doing something like Luciana. I think she had nothing else to do Mm -hmm. than to, you know, look for Charlie or find beer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but something's, you
2: know, something
1: (laughs) to keep you going. And that's also kind of what Beth was saying in, in the still episode is, well, we got nothing else to do. You know, we might as well do something.
2: Exactly. And so um For I, sure I think that
1: you would almost have to have that attitude to just like you can't just sit around and, mm-hmm. and wait to die. You gotta you gotta find some kind of pleasure in life, you know? So
2: Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. That
1: four.
2: No, that's fantastic. I completely agree with that. I think um the sound that you all just heard, the like the crashing and seismic waves, that was all people with beating hearts and, you know, love feelings rushing to the side of that pond to go and have a drink with John (laughs) Dory on the other side. So that's just everyone in the world running to do that. So don't worry about it, it's nothing to- Well, you know, everybody's so jealous of Strand (laughs) right now being trapped on an island with John
1: Dory, you know, I mean, no wonder he doesn't want to (laughs) leave.
2: I know, right. I'm like, cheer up, mate. (laughs) <laughs> he's like oh no the boat broke yeah. you
1: have to be trapped on an island with somebody uh, John Dory's the way
2: to go oh for sure do you know what I think I'll I'll take that and I'll run with it and for my number four I, I wanted to talk about uh, Strand and John Dory because I thought it was a really nice wee, wee set up of characters I thought it was believably awkward because they're not compatible men they're not people who would immediately Mm -hmm. be best friends. Um, I was trying to look at the differences between the two of them and and why they both work. I would say they're both strong fan favourite characters. And it's interesting to see them so different beside one another. So what I liked about it was that they both got frustrated with each other for different reasons and in different ways. Mm -hmm. They frustrate one another. Um, I think we saw John Dory properly kind of pissed off for the first yeah. time when he like kicked a little bush <laughs> on his way away from Strand. Um, even physically mm-hmm. they look quite different in the sense that Strand's outfit was. I was thinking to myself, Strand is really rocking the kind of marooned island <laughs> look. He has this sort of black leather jacket, mm-hmm. cool jeans, cool boots. I was like, yeah, he's really moving it. Whereas John Dory, like love the guy but he is dressed a little bit like kind of a middle-aged dad who's sort of given up on life a little bit but is wearing a cowboy yeah, hat and his. not that image. makes sense so physically <laughs> yeah, yeah and you got a lot of strands like so the two of them together glove.
1: he's got like one messed up tattered glove on his, on his <laughs> hands
2: that was great <laughs> He's just rocking it. And John Dory's like, I just got to wear my check shirt and my cowboy hat, which he lost. I was gutted to see his cowboy hat floating away at the end of the episode. That was so sad. I think yeah, he'll get it. It back was though.
1: like when Wilson floated away on Castaway. But, you know, I think, yeah. I have a feeling it'll wash up on shore somewhere or something. That hat can't go far.
2: Yeah, or the yeah. alligator, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or big scale. Start wearing it. <laughs> um, I think one of the big ways they're really different is like verbally the mm-hmm. way they talk because Strand is so loquacious and like a wordsmith, and you know he did he had this amazing monologue. I didn't catch it all, um, but it's the one about living in a world of fools where fools routinely mm-hmm. die. And he talks about having to go and look for Charlie as being going to look for the instrument of your last place's demise, Mm -hmm. which I thought was harsh for an eight-year-old girl, but also fair. Um, I thought that was just interesting because he really, you know, he uses language in this sort of Shakespearean poetic way. There were some more examples of it throughout. Um, I'm just trying to find some of my notes here. He talks about surmounting surmounting an impossibility for another Mm -hmm. impossibility. So it's very, yeah, this very kind of poetic language, which I speak about quite a lot when I talk about Strand. But compare that to John Dory, who is in many ways the romantic cowboy hero, but his language is so different. It's just simple. It's kind of, I mean, I'm making him sound like Forrest Gump, that's not what I mean, but (laughs) (laughs) he he talks in quite. um, yeah, just a simpler language, but it's no less effective. The way that he talks, you know, he talks about, as you said, got to fight for every day. He finds somebody he wants to fight alongside. He delivers tiny lines in a really like appealing way. Like when he talks about the first said, you know, I hate the wet ones. <laughs> that was very cute. It's <laughs> um, if the world hadn't been turned upside down enough. And when I did, I burst out laughing when he was watching. Um, strand sort of really fuck up trying to get that <laughs> car down the hill and he was just sort of going like oh no 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 like, <laughs> <what? Are laughs> to you i thought oh it was he, he was kind of like the audience surrogate there he was like what what no <laughs> no oh no 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 don't do that um so i found that really mm-hmm. interesting and i think they um they're they sort of balance each other out a bit it's not as simple and as easy as like they make mm-hmm. each other better i think Dory was doing a really good job of pulling Strand out of his kind of depression. And I think Strand was maybe keeping John a bit real. Like, I think at the end, John's romantic streak could have gotten him killed, whereas Strand being a bit harsher and a bit more realistic probably did save both mm-hmm. their asses at that point. Um, So, yeah, the, the two of them together, I thought it was a really... It was something... It felt like a little bit of fan service in the sense that they knew that they had two sort of big hitters together but I really didn't mind because I enjoyed it Um, and I liked the incompatibility of it and how that was depicted on screen. I think I would have been annoyed if they'd immediately loved each other and become best buds and had a drink together but I think that their characters did draw interesting elements of one another. I don't know how did you feel about their sort of interaction?
1: Well it's interesting that you say that um Strand was a, li- a bit more real about the situation and mm-hmm. John was being unrealistic because I was actually thinking while you were saying that, that John, the way he speaks is more honest mm-hmm. about how he speaks. And Strand is c- kind of trying to smooth talk. Like, for example, when he says, you know, he talks about he's done running fool's errands and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but yet he's just kind of there to die So it's like, well, what's the foolish thing here? I think he's just smooth talking and making excuses. And so I don't don't think he's being very honest in his talk, but yet he's being real with the situation. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic there where, you know, Strand is, you know, kind of smooth talking and not really being, you know, I guess giving excuses, Mm -hmm. but yet, being realistic whereas John you know he's a very truthful guy he'll tell you what he thinks and he'll be honest with you but at the same time I think he's kind of you know not being real about the
2: situation kind of fooling himself Mm -hmm. absolutely I mean even like physically like you could see him really struggling um you know with that that gunshot wound in his side um which I liked because I think that sometimes in The Walking Dead these you know these injuries heal remarkably well, <laughs> remarkably quickly.
1: Yeah. but yeah. Or like, you know, Althea's sickness getting cured in a matter of minutes. Yeah, that, that was like that that was the quickest
2: flu ever. <laughs> Hello, Tammy <laughs> flu or whatever it was that she took, huh? I don't yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm still convinced that she got poisoned. I think she got poisoned by the filthy lady.
2: I think that's... Yeah, I feel like we saw that water thing for a reason and that seems legitimate to me. Um, I was going to ask mm-hmm. you what you thought it meant when John ate the candy at the end. Yeah, I think...
1: I kind of had a hard time with that because mm-hmm. to me it kind of showed that he was giving up. But yeah, I don't really... It seems off character for me. It, you know, he was so determined to find her before and it didn't seem like he tried... I mean, I know he tried two different rafts, but,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it, I, I don't think it was enough to give up. I, I mean,
2: I don't think that's John Dory's character. What no, did you think about that? I, I was totally same page as you. Um, So I struggled with it a little bit because if you saw it written down in like a short story... Yeah, it would be, oh, the symbol is that the character has given up. You know, the the candy I was holding on to, to give to my love, I'm just going to eat it. But then another mm-hmm. part of me mm-hmm. wondered if, well, A, I don't think Garrett had played it that way, because I don't think he looked like a guy who had given up. He looked more thoughtful than that. So I wondered if mm. it was something about taking on a bit of Strand's sort of living for the day sort of thing you know maybe not even I don't Mm -hmm. know if Strand even phrases it like that but this idea of sort of this is the reality of where I am at the moment um I might Mm -hmm. get to shore but for now I can eat this candy and you know enjoy it sort of thing I don't know it was interesting because I don't yeah I'm not completely satisfied with what I think it is but I think we're both right in that it wasn't giving up maybe it was more acceptance um, if that makes sense. Well,
1: maybe he just really wanted a piece of candy. Yeah, maybe I he mean, was just you know. like, I'm cold. <laughs> I've lost my hat. I've had a really bad day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I I could relate with the guy. You know, well, for sometimes sure. you just need some sugar.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it was funny that he he managed so, to get the yeah. the candy out of the you know he that survived and Strand had the bottle of of whiskey wrapped up in the plastic bag. I was like, well, that's two different ways of dealing with it. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I kind of like that it wasn't going down the road of obviousness it wasn't going down the road of he hath given up Mm -hmm. because we all know that's not the kind of person he is but it was thoughtful it was like maybe a little out of character but not to the extent that he was like okay what's next I don't care anymore about June I'm moving on sort of things so yeah it was interesting. Right yeah it was almost so out of character that you have to
1: wonder if there's something else there
2: yeah like (laughs) hunger (laughs) like you say (laughs) <laughs> um, so that was it the only other note I had for Strand and Dory was I was like is Strand depressed and I've I've decided I'm, I think Strand might be depressed uh, I think he's, he's going mm. through some stuff uh, and I hope that out of everyone I really hope that Strand finds someone in the apocalypse to kind of live for because I think in a weird sort of way mm. Madison was that for him um, their sort of platonic relationship was really important to him and I just kind of hope that he finds someone who brings that sort of companionship out of him again, whether it's a romantic interest or not. Because, um, yeah, it does make a difference having someone or something to fight for, I suppose. And, yeah, he's just lacking Mm -hmm. that at the moment. He's a bit listless, which is a bit of a shame. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, his buddy's gone, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, his his buddy. And, you know, you feel bad for the guy because, you know, they were... Madison and him were really close and, you know, he's just kind of mourning and grieving right now.
2: And she brought out a good side of him and, you know, she saw things in him that he, it's like what we were speaking about last week about um, June and John's love for June, you know, she took a chance on him repeatedly. And yeah, when you lose that person who thinks or sees your potential, how do you keep seeing it yourself, you know? Um yeah, so I felt mm. for Strand in that moment because I think because he's not directly related to Madison or Nick, it's maybe easier to sort of forget his grief, but it came through quite well in this episode. Um, And I did love that he can be a bit of an asshole. You know, when John was mm-hmm. uh, going out to kind of on the water uh, for the first time and Strand sitting back just sort of giggling to himself. But crucially, <laughs> when Big Scaly turned up, he was ready and, you know, Warned John and gotten back to shore mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's like he's an asshole, but he's not. Mm-hmm he's not the worst (laughs) he's kind of a lovable asshole yeah well I don't know what that makes me because I
1: laughed when John started to sink too Oh, I I, I thought it was (laughs) but I don't know if I'd actually you know sit on a bucket and just laugh at somebody that's a little
2: (laughs) there were a couple of moments in this episode where I laughed I don't know if I was supposed to so hopefully we'll we'll cover (laughs) a couple of them and how about your number three
1: um so my number three i know we're talking a lot about john and Strand, yeah, but who cares um, it's great i wanted to talk about the yeah well that was a lot of the, the episode but i wanted to talk about the grackles
2: those black birds thank you for telling me um, what they're called because i thought i'd misheard it i was like <laughs> a what but a grackle okay so that is a thing that is a, a bird it
1: is a bird, and the only reason I know that is because I had closed captioning on. Ah. <laughs> so I, I had to actually look at what the heck he was calling it, because I'm not familiar
2: with grackles. I've heard of it. Um, I am now, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't. I mean, I heard of so. a jackal, but not a grackle, but I've just Googled yeah. it, and yeah, yeah. It is, they're very pretty, actually. They're kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, apparently people hate grackles, oh, really? because they're um, they're this... Uh, communal type bird. And there's just, usually they, they stay in, you know, just these big flocks of like thousands of grackles Mm -hmm. and they eat a lot of the, the farmer's seeds and they, you know, uh, poop all over people's swimming pools. (laughs) And (laughs) they're apparently a, a big nuisance. Not very many people like grackles. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they chose the grackle in this episode. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed this or not when you were watching, but, um, throughout the whole time that they were focused on John and Strand, you could hear the grackle in the background. Oh, it was almost yeah. constant. And so it was almost like this, this thing that was following them or like yeah. a almost like a heavy cloud around them, like with this grackle. And it was almost, oh. it was almost like poking fun at them or like um, taunting them in some kind of way. And and I know Strand at the beginning, you know, he kind of threw something at it because he, he got frustrated at it. But I thought it was different because the grackle is such a communal bird. Mm-hmm. And e- even John talks about how there's only one and how the world kind of, you know, it's, is yeah. messed up enough to where? You know, why is there this one grackle? Yeah, and I I thought that was interesting because they're they're kind of isolated on this island from everybody else, you know, from their community, and um, I think it just you know that that bird constantly kind of making that noise kind of reminded me of them how they they're kind of feeling this constant loneliness, you know, John is, he's just so driven to get back to June and, and Strand is just, like you said, he's just in a bad spot. He's depressed and he's Mm -hmm. lonely. And he, you know, he said, he, you know, he drinks to forget that he doesn't have anyone to drink with anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, I think that Grackle was just kind of maybe about, the loneliness or the isolation that they're in right now, and I know that they're together, but they're so different that it oh, kind of yeah. seems like there's still loneliness there. Yeah. So I I just thought that that was really interesting how they they kind of brought that bird into it.
2: I really like that. Um, I know I do because I've said yeah something like five times in the last minute, which is a habit I need to get out of. I. <laughs> completely agree i think that's really interesting it also sort of reminds me of um the raven from that edgar Allan poe thing it's like nevermore you know they they did a pastiche of it on the simpsons yeah, yeah. um that's really cool because it is it's, it's kind of a almost a motif isn't it because it's the first thing that we see and there's a really nice shot of it actually that leads into the the scene and they're talking about how it's drawing the drawing the walkers or the past uh, with its noise. And yeah, I like that a lot, actually, the idea of, of being sort of out of your comfort zone or sort of out of that sort of social group and things like that. That's really interesting. And I have Googled, and we yeah, don't yeah. have them in the UK. I thought they might be what we call blackbirds, but they are not. They are not something we have here, sadly. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But they're pretty interesting. <laughs> and they winter in Texas, apparently. So here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I <laughs> like something new every day.
1: <laughs> I like the name of uh, a grackle.
2: That's a cool name. Right. I shall try and make yeah. it my aim to see one the next time I'm in North America. Um. There you go. Great. So, Okay. The grackle is number three, I like that. I might follow on from that with the shooting of the episode. Um I found this episode really shot in such a nice way. Um, and one of the first things I really noticed was that opening shot of the bird because it just looked so clear and there was just something really simple about that shot that really appealed to me. Um <clears throat> I think the wide shots on the island were fabulous, giving you this sense of scale and of them being marooned in a very frustrating Mm -hmm. way that they weren't that far from shore, but there was no way of crossing. There were some fantastic shots towards the end that were aerial of Strand and John Dory uh, on the raft just as it was starting to sink. It reminded me actually a little bit of the end of the very first episode of The Walking Dead with Rick in the tank um which ends on a an aerial mm-hmm. shot pulling out. I mm-hmm. there were a couple of really nice shots of Luciana on the road, um where she was completely centred in the frame. And then as she I assume she had buried Clayton, I wasn't sure, but she definitely put the bottle there as kind of a memento. Um and there was just a really nice mm-hmm. shot of her with the bottle in the foreground and the focus kind of shifting. There were two other things that I really liked. One was framing things with mirrors so when Wendell did his absolutely kick-ass zombie kill, well, nearly because Sarah killed it in <laughs> yeah. the end, uh, he used that right. little mirror reflector to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Luciana mm-hmm. uses it, or is seen in one by the, is seen in one by Clayton, we see her approach. Um, and at the end, Siri uses her mirror and sees the van pursuing them. So mirrors were used to frame a couple of important moments which I enjoyed. And that was also mirrored as well. There was a bit of kind of fun with transitions so one of the ones I really noticed was Luciana finding the root beer cut straight to strand, holding the bottle of whiskey and drinking from it and just as I was thinking to myself Mm -hmm. oh my god here we have it another person who has died in a car on the side of a hill hasn't been able to get out of the car and has presumably just sat there and died um <laughs> uh we cut to a shot of clayton who was literally dying in a car so i sort of felt like that one was a personal attack on mm-hmm. me and my lack of uh sympathy for people dying in cars in the zombie <laughs> see
1: i think he was a drunk driver and i think he went off the side off the side of the road and died oh, that's that's my theory with
2: the, with the guy that had the bottle in oh. his
1: car or his truck
2: yeah oh, yeah that makes total sense uh Okay, you read those yeah, context clues well, a lot better than I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, you never do know really what happened, but I guess I just kind of figured with the bottle in the car and him being kind of like his truck in a weird spot, uh-huh. that maybe he just kind of took something. That would but... make
2: sense, because he could have been hit in the Crash and die. Ah, oh, okay. I'll I'll reneg. I'll reject my comment there about <laughs> why it's stupid that people die in cars for no reason. Um. So yeah, for me. No, you can,
1: You don't need to do that because you know you never know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're just guessing.
2: We'll give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Um. So for me, yeah, I like I like the way the episode was shot. I think I continue to think that Fear is better composed than the main show in terms of the way that it looks mm-hmm. on the screen, and I think this episode was no exception. So. For me I like a bit of kind of eye candy yeah. and aside from John Dory there was some nice cinematography in there as well so that was my number 3.
1: Yeah that was a good number 3 because I I totally agree with you on fear being it is just a style style wise it's just I I like it a lot better mm-hmm. than The Walking Dead proper because it it's just it seems more it seems like they put a little more thought into the cinematography or the so. the lens that they use, I think or you know filters and that type of thing, yeah,
2: I think with the walking dead it would it would be hard to pinpoint for me what the style of it actually is, like I think it changes from season to mm. season, which is in some ways a really good thing, um but there's not a distinctive style to it, whereas I think fear has become quite stylized. And that's one of the things that I really like about it at the moment is that it has that cinematic quality that the main show can be uh-huh. quite inconsistent on. Um, so, yeah, I think you're... I'm glad I'm glad to find a fellow Fear uh, Cinematography fan because, yeah, to me, that's one of the real strengths of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think... Are we on your number three? Oh, number two! Number two!
1: <laughs> well, speaking of numbers, numbers is my number two. Oh, what? Um, okay, cool. I don't know if if it was just me, but it seemed like there was a lot of numbers mm. in this episode, and and uh, we got the mile markers, mm-hmm. which we had mile marker twenty one, mile marker eighty four.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We had the channels on the radio, mm-hmm. um, which were seventeen and four, mm-hmm. and then they were at Ranger Station twenty six. That, yeah. I don't know why, but they made a point to show, you know, that Ranger Station 26 sign. Um, there was number 16 on the bottle of whiskey, which mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's just a coincidence because it's the same kind of whiskey that, you know, mm-hmm. um, him and Madison drank before. But it's just kind of another example of a number that popped up. And then Strand said, good luck with raft number two you know, and I, I know Strand kind of talks strangely sometimes, Mm -hmm. but typically somebody would say, good luck with your second raft or good luck on trying again or something. But he specifically said number two, Yeah, Um, which I thought, I don't know if that's like a thing now because, um, like last week there was, you know, all this stuff with the mile markers. Mm -hmm. And then the week before there was mile marker thing too. And, um, and then even at the end, Morgan was talking with that, you know, filthy lady. I can't remember the name that you and Jason came up with. Uh, her e- for, Evil Michonne. What was her name? <laughs> <laughs> Evil Michonne. Yeah. Um, he was talking to Evil Michonne on, on the walkie. And um, he said, uh, "It you know, what you said about helping people, it doesn't make us weak. It makes us all stronger. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like like a strength in numbers kind of thing. I thought that that was kind of interesting where it's, it's kind of like the survival of the fittest versus community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, this filthy lady is, you know, feeling like you're stronger if you are on your own. And, and Morgan was feeling that way. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, why, you know, part of the reason why I think he left Alexandria was because, he was stronger and and it was the the relationships that were making him weak. And, um, you know, I think many characters like Carol, you know, many characters have gone through that where they felt like they just needed to be on their own. Mm -hmm. And that kind of contradicts the idea of, you know, community where people want to get together Mm -hmm. and build something and have, you know, help each other out. But at the same time, the, the, the weakness in community is that sometimes it only takes one bad apple, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to ruin the bunch. Because you've got this woman who's you know poisoning water and messing with stuff, and you know if you have somebody in the community who's messing stuff up, mm-hmm. that kind of makes everybody weaker for sure. So you're kind of like at this level playing field in a community, and and with Clayton too, uh, you know he's got these all these resources and stuff that he was helping people with, you know, putting boxes on the side of the road, he could have easily have, you know, taken all those resources and used it to make him more powerful, mm-hmm. you know, or like kind of like at the dam, you know, where
2: example. whoever
1: controls the water controls everything. And he kind of could have really made that to be something for himself, but he decided to help other people with it so it's kind of it kind of levels the playing field when you're in community because you're you're giving but people can also make you weaker Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and survival of the fittest is you know you're you know if you're a strong person you are going to be strong and in a community you're only as strong as your weakest person Mm -hmm. arguably so I just thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic
2: that's so interesting and I like as well that um Towards the end of the episode they the group were happy to be getting reunited, like they smile when they hear it's Alicia over the radio. Like I like that sense that this is a group who are actively trying to find their way back to each other to get that security in numbers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this idea of the sort of maverick lone, chaotic individual threatening the whole group is it's it's a scary one in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the numbers were prominent now that you've mentioned it. I wonder if that's a gimple thing. I don't know. No, he likes letters. He likes, like,
1: eight, yeah, yeah, things like that. But that Maybe the letters are for Walking
2: Dead and the numbers are for fear. No, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I think um,
1: I just... Of course he sticks with the one letter, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, it, yeah. Because I started, kind of related, but kind of not, I started watching Sharp Objects yesterday, which um, I hadn't had a chance to sit down and actually binge watch. Um, so I started watching it and I started reading an article today about the way that the director of that show uses words um, in various parts of the scenes. So you'll see a word scratched into a wall or carved into a window or something, and it's very subtle and it's not necessarily pointed out, Mm -hmm. but it's there. And I quite like when Mm. show creators do things like that and feel like it rewards close watching, which as podcasters is uh, something that understandably we're quite on board with. Um, Fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't. I couldn't find a, a correlation, and maybe some listener out there can put two and two together. Um, but I was also thinking about, you know, they they were uh, focused on mile marker twenty-one, mm-hmm. and that just also happens to be blackjack. Oh uh, shoot! So it is. So I, don't, I don't know if they did that on purpose or if it's just like a coincidence. That's, I don't. I don't really purpose, know. But I so thought, I you know. Maybe
2: that's why they titled it Blackjack.
1: I'm not sure. But of course it could be just about the candy too.
2: <laughs> it's quite a clever I like that. Well, I I had a revelation about a Walking Dead episode title that I hadn't realized for years and years. It really bothered me. It was in season three. Um there was an episode and I think it was either the mid season finale or the mid season premiere and it was called The Suicide King and I didn't understand what that meant and what it referred to at all but then it turns out the suicide king is actually um a king of hearts and um, the king of hearts stabbing himself mm-hmm. and i was like oh this still doesn't make a huge amount of sense but it makes a bit more sense so yeah they can be quite mm-hmm. clever with their their titles on both shows um yeah fantastic well my number two i'm gonna i'm going gonna channel jason slightly um and do my one negative thing um <laughs> this week which was that the scripting i felt in this episode was a little bit uneven um on the plus side we had things like strands lines um i really loved the fools routinely die um remark that he makes and i enjoyed his sarcastic uh remark about that he'd lost his taste for boating some time ago because um, that was a nice callback to the show's history. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. mm-hmm. I found the Luciana and Clayton dialogue a little on the nose at some points. Um, mm-hmm. I think two, two ones stuck out to me. One was when he said to her, like, little lady, you look like you've been through the ringer. I'm like, she looks immaculate. Like, if I looked like that on a Monday <laughs> I would be happy with myself. Do not tell her that she looks like she's been through the ringer. She looks lit. So that annoyed me.
1: Well, yeah. and, and you probably should just... Of thumb never tell a woman that she looks like she's been through the ring no, just,
2: like, you don't know her just business. leave that comment to yourself. <laughs> you don't know what she's about like, so that you know annoyed me <laughs> for different reasons but the end i have to say i have this like sort of love for the cheesy sort of death scenes in films where it's like <clears throat> just go on without me that kind of thing and when he when she <laughs> held his hand and she was like what did you do in this world before the apocalypse? And he's like, I drove trucks. It's just like, oh for fuck's sake! <laughs> of course, he drove trucks. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe, faster, yeah, I know. I was like, we know, we know, we know, <laughs> we know. It's gonna. Oh, what a fucking surprise! But um, yeah, that. I mean, I think it just stood out because, in a way, the rest of the episode was really good. Um, so it was just those. I think it, it highlighted to me how. Just how inconsistent the show can be sometimes. Like sometimes, absurd dialogue really works. Other times, really basic dialogue fails to deliver. Um, there were some cracking, like funny lines in this episode. I really enjoy um mm-hmm. Sarah and Wendell as lovable idiots. Like what they said about um frogs <laughs> and scorpions. The ribbit did it. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> um, and I liked that some of the the questions that were asked were were relevant. You know, like strand saying is it time is it not time to stop being foolish um and things like you know Sarah's insistence on calling them Momo and Jimbo um in my notes I've written Momo and Jimbo forever um however I do think that Jimbo is a bit of a dickhead but we'll, we'll come back to that don't worry it's not my number one but we'll circle back around um so yeah I felt the scripting was a little uneven and I loved the actor that played Clayton and I liked in theory I liked that whole scene i like that kind of that storyline but there were some bits of writing where i was like this is very on the nose like you know i tried to help someone before he died but there was nothing i could do so now i must help other people i'm like okay uh aha yeah we know we know we know trust the audience a little bit more here but yeah so that was my my one sort of negative in number two was the uneven scripting and in particular the cheesy i drove trucks line which i just uh, yeah So that was my number two. Um, Emily, what was your number one? So my number
1: one is this filthy lady.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um,
1: And what's funny is I don't have a whole lot to say factually about her, just a lot of questions. Like, Mm. what is she after? What what are her thoughts? Also, you know, we're kind of building up to a finale. Like, is she going to be... A pivotal character in this finale. Mm-hmm. Um, are are we going to deal with her before the finale? Um, it and she 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 is a threat, and she she's an interesting character, but she also doesn't seem like this huge menacing season
2: finale threat.
1: If it makes any sense,
2: I keep yeah, I keep coming back to this and being like. When is the final episode? (laughs) Because we're on episode 13 this week. So it's 16, isn't it? So we've got three more episodes after today. And yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't doesn't feel like it's building up to a big finale crescendo. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that means that we're going to lose someone or... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that tonally. I still enjoy her as a villain. Mm Mm-hmm. But it feels different somehow i I'm with you on that feeling. I'm not sure how this is going to how the threat is gonna amp up enough that it would be what we expect of a season finale, but then maybe that's what makes fear different and what will make this season particularly good is that it doesn't go down the traditional trajectory of of big all out battle finale and it goes into something kind of deeper. Mm -hmm. I think she's going to get into Morgan's head a little bit more. Mm. Do you think that Morgan,
1: so you don't think that Morgan will be able to save her or turn her around? Because that's a mission (laughs) now.
2: Because, yeah, because I was quite impressed with Morgan in this episode, the way that he dealt with what she was throwing at him. When she kind of said, you know, I know what you are, what you're capable of. He was strong in his response to it he didn't kind of crumble under it or or run away from it he Mm -hmm. sort of stood up to it and was like you know yeah i got some things to make up for and he's sort of overcoming those demons but yeah it's it's a funny one i wonder if he would be able to save her but would we ever trust her because there are definitely some serious sort of underlying issues there aren't there and it's just Mm
1: -hmm.
2: yeah i don't know i mean what do you feel about it where do you see it going Well, it would would be interesting
1: to see Morgan kind of try to turn her around, kind of like the Mm -hmm. cheesemaker did for Morgan. Mm -hmm. Um, But Morgan Morgan was a threat to strangers, but I didn't really ever feel like he was a a threat to our own group of people, whereas this Mm -hmm. woman is like a direct threat to our group. And so... Like you said, would we, would we ever trust her even if she did, Mm -hmm. you know, turn around or, or maybe, maybe that's where they would go. Maybe they would, you know, have her kind of act like she was, you know, in the group, but then
2: maybe down the road in their water. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's done enough sort of really shitty, <laughs> evil things that we've seen that we can say, well, mm, she seems like not that great of a person. But again, it's that whole thing, you know, whose side, you know, if you've been with someone from the beginning, would you feel that way? But it just seems like they've gone out of their way to show some things that are pretty, I mean, not unforgivable compared to some of the other things, but you know, they're pretty beyond the pale in terms of what we would accept from our heroes as it were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the yeah it's an interesting one it's it's mm-hmm. interesting hmm.
1: yeah and i like the uh how, how you kind of compared her to the joker on yeah on this episode <laughs> because that and you know she's a little off you know like mm-hmm. it seems like she has some kind of mental illness or somehow wasn't able to cope with the apocalypse and kind of went a little crazy or something's, something's off with her, and especially with, you know, with, with her putting all that mud and dirt on her. I feel like she's trying to be a walker. Like she's mm-hmm. trying to look like a walker. Um, because I guess she feels like walkers are strong. So she's trying to be strong in that way. And maybe she's trying to be a walker, but yeah, I just have a lot of questions mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they'll be answered, but it, it's just kind of a big mystery right now. And I'm just wondering how that's you know how it's going to play with the finale, or if we're going to get s- something new in the next two episodes before the finale, or if
2: or if they're just setting stuff up. Mm-hmm. I really I hope so. I do hope so. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think it, it. I hope the next episode gives us a little bit more. I feel like it's been teased enough. And it would be good to get a bit more kind of substantive action because I'm not convinced that anyone's actually been shot in that uh that confrontation at the end there, but mm-hmm. I may yet be proven wrong, who knows um yeah. yeah, the filthy women I think that's what the showrunners are referring to as as well, so i'm I'm happy to roll with that um yeah. My number one is not that exciting actually now that I'm looking at it but (laughs) it was something that really stood out to me and that I really enjoyed which was the way that this episode played out almost like mini horror films there were a lot of sort of horror homages and moments and beats that felt like they could come straight out of a horror film I mean the obvious one is probably the Jaws moments um with the two men on the island with the gator I think I've told this anecdote before but Jaws is my mother's favourite film and we have to watch it every Christmas um, so now I associate <laughs> Jaws with Christmas, with Christmas which is, which is weird because when I go to my dad's we have to watch Fargo so I have very strange ideas of what a Christmas film is but Jaws is one of them um, but I do, I love that I think what makes Jaws such an iconic film and what they, they get a good balance of in this is the idea that it is man versus beast. And I guess that ties into Moby Dick as well, isn't it? That it's the the natural world can overtake um, and can overwhelm in situations like that. I enjoyed seeing the truck in the back mirror kind of there all of a sudden in hot pursuit that, that turns up in a few kind of road trip esque horror films the one I remember most clearly is uh, the classic Jeepers Creepers which is famously really good until they show you the monster and the monster looks ridiculous so it's not scary <laughs> anymore but the pursuit where they're getting chased by the crazy van is, is quite scary and it really reminded me of that mm-hmm. um, the sense of being watched and hunted by the filthy woman was pretty interesting the way in yeah. which they sort of figure out what's happened to Quinn they get there um Jimbo's sort of the plays the role of the person who's like why are we even here we just got to go sort of thing and and that sense that they're in danger and there's someone out there to get them and that sort of creeping sense of unease was really well done and there was an element at the end as well of this sort of the bad guy being on the phone like a creepy phone call like when she cuts into their Mm walkie-talkie conversation which is a classic kind of horror film trope Mm -hmm. so i just enjoyed those little homages i like it when both shows go a bit more towards the sort of classic uh horror side of things and i think that they managed to do that quite well in this episode i think it was a bit uneven like it was not always consistent throughout. but when they did it it was it was good i enjoyed it yeah
1: they had a lot of really good like tension tension moments like when you're talking about how it had kind of a jaws feel mm. when they're in the boat the there's a really good direction there mm-hmm. and camera placement to just kind of you know something's under the oh, water you're you just know. waiting for it yeah. to come yeah. up and and bite you but yeah so I'm I'm with you I thought that was fantastic as well and with this uh filthy woman I actually had to figure out you know the first time I watched it I couldn't figure out how she knew some mm. of what she knew about Morgan. Cause I missed when Al said that she has the tapes. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so I, I was a little confused about that. And then I, I watched the second time through and, and I caught it. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's just kind of creepy that she's just watching all their tapes and oh, she yeah. knows everything about them. And what's interesting is she probably knows more about Al than we do. Um yeah, because she actually. probably knows Al's story, so I I don't know if if Al's gonna reveal the story to us, or maybe this filthy oh. woman
2: will will lay some of that down for us. I don't know. Because that yeah, that puts her in a position of power, doesn't it? If she knows stuff that, that Al hasn't revealed to us yet. That's I did have like yeah. a funny sort of alternate headcanon where she picks all the wrong videos to watch. So she's actually just been watching like really irrelevant ones from like three <laughs> years ago. And she's like, who are these people? I don't care. But she looked right. out and found Morgan. She's like, oh, I know that yeah. guy. Um, but I'll, I'll suspend my disbelief for that because I like it as a, a trope. And it reminded me of um when Negan comes to Alexandria for the first time, he watches some of the tapes that Deanna made of them when they first came back in from kind of being out in the wild.
1: I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. he's
2: hoping for a little freaky deaky, but he does not get that. <laughs> he gets lots of boring interviews. So, yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, And it does amp up the tension at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: All yeah, right. Yeah, that's great.
2: Cool. So do you have any notes at all?
1: I have a couple notes. Um, I loved seeing... The zeds get attacked by the crocodiles oh that was amazing <laughs> just, just, it was just something i could have probably rewound and watched oh. a couple times over they're just like all of a sudden just get pulled to the side or pulled directly down it was great
2: because alligators it. and crocodiles they fascinate me because they're so they're, they're a weird shape they don't look like they should be able to do anything really but mm-hmm. they, they totally are completely predators and to see like the kind of the the whips the whip snap of that walker getting dragged under the water was really cool i completely agree with you on that one mm-hmm
1: yeah that was
2: that was pretty cool mm-hmm. and i that
1: that alligator or crocodile or whatever it is is getting pretty big from feeding on all those walkers. I like
2: um, made your <laughs> suggestion you're not supposed to swim after you eat, so <laughs> right. I think strand yeah. even calls that out. It's like she must be fooled by now, and it's like mm, no, <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, no, she just keeps going she keeps going, um, yeah, and then um, something I thought that was interesting was Morgan and Luis uh Luciana both said. I have things to make up for, mm. which I thought was interesting that they both use the exact same words. So I don't know if that's going to kind of be a thing mm-hmm. or a theme that they're going to start hitting on
2: um, yeah. and coming
1: back to. Um, and then my other note was I love the nicknames. Like everybody's got a nickname. We got Jimbo, <laughs> Momo, Polar Bear. Polar Bear. Bigs. Yeah. Big scaly, big scaly, it up, <laughs> and uh, little lady, little which lady. is what yeah, um, yeah, the truck driver was calling Luciana. So I loved I love all that. the nicknames. That's
2: fun. I think that's great. I I'm totally with you on that. I don't have much else to add. The opening shot was cool, and um, you could see the gator in the opening shot. Uh, the not the opening shot. The um, title card. You saw the gator mm-hmm. kind of coming in in the water, which was cute. I. Mm-hmm probably should have mentioned this as one of the kind of horror film points, but I did like the ending. I liked that Alicia and Charlie kind of had to listen to all that sort of play out over the radio. Um it was a nice kind didn't of you, Yeah, didn't you think it was funny
1: that Morgan didn't warn Alicia in any way <laughs> about this like, oh, I know this woman. Yeah. He, he just says, I know this woman. And then they keep talking. Uh-huh. Like, I
2: was just like, oh, I know. Not, like, Alicia, <laughs> maybe you want to get in the car and go somewhere else and we'll find you. <laughs> it's just more like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's like someone I know. Cool. Hey, how are you? Like, yeah. 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 Not his it's finest like- call. <laughs> No, it's it's fine, Alicia. I know her. Yeah. Don't don't worry. Don't be scared. Don't be alarmed. Alicia's like she sounds kind of mad. It's like no. <laughs> um, Wendell being a badass, I really like that. I like that we're yeah. getting characters who are representative of like you know different physical abilities, which I think is really really sure. cool. Um, yeah. Zeds were good this week. I liked the wet one that had a chunk bitten out of the side of it. I thought that was pretty cool. I did wonder for a moment if Strand had been bitten, but I'm pretty confident he hasn't, because A, they're not gonna kill Strand off, and B, they didn't do any of the kind of post-bite tropes of oh no, I just feel a bit weird and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty satisfied that hasn't happened. And yeah. I just um I just think Jimbo is a bit of a dickhead. He needs to <laughs> he needs to really work to redeem him. And I mentioned this in passing yeah. to uh our Lord and Saviour, Jason, and uh he he argues that Jimbo did actually supply the beer for uh Clayton inadvertently, therefore giving a happy yeah. ending to one of the stories and i'll I'll take that. But I still also think Jimbo's a bit of a dickhead. Um, and I yeah. enjoyed Morgan kind of showing off his staff skills to Sarah and Wendell and then being like, sure, <laughs> yeah, we'll come with you. I'm, I'm still on the fence of they are lovable idiots who will just go with whoever the biggest bully is around. So, yeah, mm-hmm. those are my notes. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I think, you know, Jimbo, I think he's kind of like Eugene in that he's using his skill set to try to yes! survive. I yes. You know, and- and he's, he's not the most likable character, but no. he's
2: he's just trying to get by,
1: you know? And he and has so. the,
2: the Eugene thing of being weak in that he's mm-hmm. not good at, at combat. He's not good at fighting the Zeds. He's relying on other people to do that. Yeah, no, I think that's really... I actually had thought that earlier. I forgot that I thought it. And now that you've said it, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that is exactly right. It is that kind of dynamic. And I think one of the things I originally liked about having Eugene on the show was that he... It was nice to see someone who was actually struggling um, because a lot Mm -hmm. of the people in the main show were kind of superheroes by that point. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely a similar kind of vibe with Jimbo. All right, so that was our top five. For now, we'll take a break. There's more to come. Stay with us. We're back. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Fracture. So almost everyone takes and shares photos online, but I know for me and for most of you, very few of those photos actually end up printed. And when they do, even fewer end up on display. Fracture allows you to focus on the moments that mean the most in your life by turning your favourite digital memories into meaningful photo decor for your house. Fracture prints are made by printing directly onto glass and they come ready to display out of the box. They even include the wall hanger and they actually also include rests so you can sit them up on your desk if you prefer. The sleek frameless design goes with any decor. Um, Fracture is in itself a green company which operates a carbon neutral factory or fractory if you will Jason that's um, yeah okay fractory let's say fractory <laughs> I have had great experiences with fractures I got one for um a friend I've had a couple made for my desk of my kitties and they look very cute um in the pictures and I think Emily you have had a good experience with fracture as well would you care to tell us some more yeah,
1: I, I actually have gotten a couple fractures. And it's it's actually a little bit of a story. So with with me, like when I'm a fan of something, I kind of, I can't just be a fan and be content with it. I have to like totally geek out about
2: mm-hmm.
1: it. Like you've seen in in The Walking Dead and stuff. So I'm a fan of Hosier. So oh, Hosier. I totally geek out with Hosier. And so I'm part of this fan club and, oh, and it was kind of, Kind of fun to like, like I do a lot of Photoshop stuff, so I mm-hmm. thought it would be really cool to Photoshop Hosier with, like these. Um, he's a blues man, so I I kind of photoshopped him with like these blues legends, like you know, uh, John Lee Hooker and and Junior Kimbrough and stuff like that. And so I, I was just you know doing this for like a hobby, for something to do, and posting them on the fan site just to you know people got a kick out of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. I was going to go uh, see him at this uh, benefit concert and it was pretty, pretty small gig. So I, I was pretty sure I was going to run into him. And um, I wanted to make him one of these, you know, Photoshopped things, right. To give to him mm-hmm. for a gift. But I thought it it just didn't feel right to me. If I were to like print it out and put it in a frame that felt, it almost felt kind of like it would be cheap or, I don't know. It just didn't feel very, Mm -hmm. I don't know, upper class, kind of like this is for somebody special. You know, it just didn't feel that way. I feel you. And so I actually had it printed on a fracture, which was really cool. It was perfect because it, it it looked really nice, really high class, really great print. And I actually Photoshopped him, with the Blues Brothers, I put a fedora on it and oh, amazing. sunglasses. And, and so I got two of them. I got one that I gave to him and I, I kept one for myself and got a um, a paint marker so he could sign mine. And so, yeah, so amazing. I got two of them and it was, it was just a really cool experience. And I'm glad that Fracture was an option because if I would have had to put it in a frame, I probably wouldn't have even done it. Mm-hmm. I would have just forgotten about the whole idea, but you know, it,
2: it it turned out
1: fantastic.
2: That is incredible. And you and Hosier are now married, am, am I right? <laughs> no. Oh. I think my
1: husband would have a problem with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, no, I'm a, I'm a super fan. And, and, like, when I find stuff that I'm into I just I, I have to go overboard I don't know why that is but I just mm. kind of go overboard so. yeah I think
2: a lot of us in this fandom know exactly what you mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it was fun I had oh a lot of fun. that's a great story well I think that sounds like an amazing gift to give someone, particularly someone as awesome as Hosier. Um, And if you guys out there are looking to get a fracture made at any point, you can visit fractureme.com slash dead for a special discount on your first fracture order. That's fractureme.com forward slash dead. Thanks, Fracture. Thank you. Yay. I actually really associate Hosier with The Walking Dead because the first time I listened to his album was just on the way back from my first Walker Stalker. So it's a really nice kind of fandom association for me there. So, yeah.
1: Well, what's funny is that it's the same for me because I actually learned about Hosier through The Walking Dead because he had a song (gasps) on. He did. um, I think it was like season six. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the song that introduced me to Hosier. So yeah, I, I also has have a Walking Dead association with him.
2: <laughs> oh, amazing. We amazing. Okay, Jason, uh, Emily and I need to get him on the show to be interviewed in person.
1: Yeah, that's oh. a great idea. Get that's on that. Idea. Yeah, great. <laughs> Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people it kills, get up and kill. T-
0: Are they slow moving, Chief?
1: Yeah, they're dead. They're
2: all messed up. This is a Walking Dead cast news update. So the first item is from the usual Entertainment Weekly interview with Ian Goldberg and Andrew Shambliss. Entertainment Weekly starts by talking about the Jaws connection. Let's start with what felt a little bit like a Jaws movie as Strand and John Dory try to outsmart a zombie devouring alligator. Where did this idea come from and how was it executed? Ian Goldberg says the idea for the alligator sort of came to us from real life into our research into hurricanes. What happens with not only people but animals during the aftermath of a hurricane? We sort of liked the idea that we would find both John Dory and Strand displaced by the storm, but also this alligator that has also been displaced, put into unfamiliar territory, and how this would affect all three of them.
1: I like the idea of an alligator in the zombie apocalypse.
2: Yeah, me too. Do <laughs> you think you could get it to be like be on your team? I think that would be amazing if you could. Like,
1: oh, yeah. kind of like, a, a, you know, how King Ezekiel had the tiger. Maybe John Dory could have the alligator. Get
2: a big, scaly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Um,. Let's now talk about Luciana um, from Entertainment Weekly who appears to be searching for Charlie and instead comes across this guy Clayton who's stuck in a car. Clayton wants a beer and by golly she's going to get him that beer. What's going on with her? She says she has things to make up for. Why the intense mission for a bottle of beer? Andrew Shamblis says Luciana's feeling a lot of guilt and remorse for everything that she, Strand and Alicia did when they were hunting down the vultures, but I think the thing that is most present in her mind is the fact that she chased Charlie out into the middle of a storm, and she doesn't know if she sentenced this girl to death or not so when she finds this person who's in need she's just so desperate to do one good thing to try to make up for all the bad things she's done and even though that thing that she wants is as small as you know a bottle of beer it's become so important to her it's almost the thing that she thinks if i can do this one little thing that means there's maybe hope for me to move forward and continue to help other people ah uh,
1: interesting you know i i think um you know with luciana uh, uh in terms of having stuff to make up for you know, we, we see how hard it was for Alicia to come around to forgiving Charlie. And I don't even know if she's forgiven her yet, but mm-hmm. it seemed like Luciana turned around very quickly just by seeing a book. I thought yeah. that was <laughs> kind of a, a little too, too easily, you know, the the forgiveness came a little too easily.
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. I think that it, it was a very quick, uh a quick, change of events there Mm -hmm. um entertainment weekly move on from luciana 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 to talk about clayton and of course we learn that clayton is actually polar bear the trucker the guy who was passing out the boxes on the side of the road we see so many stories of good people turning bad and doing bad things to survive in the apocalypse how nice is it to have this story of a guy who did the opposite? Goldberg says, we're really excited to be able to tell those kinds of stories and to offer that little small ray of life, that glimmer of hope in what can often be a bleak world. We're very excited about telling the story of what Clayton started, and we've been slowly providing breadcrumbs for that from the moment we first saw help boxes in episode 409. Now we realise more where that philosophy came from and who the person was that started it, but also how it's impacting all of our characters and how Morgan has taken on the mantle of what Polar Bear was doing by now, taking his truck and dropping the boxes on the side of the road and really really just taking up where he left off. It's just the idea that help begets more help and benevolence begets benevolence. It's a pretty unique way to live in this world, and that's going to be very much the storytelling going forward. Even though it also puts Morgan directly in the crosshairs of the filthy woman that we see in the episode. She doesn't like that he is carrying forward Polar Bear's legacy, and I think we see just how determined she is to stop that, and to be the opposite of that help that Polar Bear was trying to promote. It's quite interesting to hear what the showrunners think. I always think. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I love Polar Bear.
2: Oh, he was Clayton. just so nice. I'm glad we yeah. got to meet him. I know I said last yeah. week I was glad we didn't, but I am actually glad we did because he seemed sweet. Um, yeah, I I thought Purvis was was the
1: guy that was that had the truck, but apparently it was
2: Clayton. Yeah, I wa- or I wondered if Purvis was the guy that Clayton said he didn't want to bump into. I was yeah, there was some mystery there. I think. Yeah. Um two short items next um, the first episode of The Walking Dead season 9 will be 90 minutes long um, so that's a big starter to the season there which if we're only getting certain characters for a certain number of episodes means we might get them for at least a little bit so that's nice Um mm-hmm. And our next item is just to say that The Walking Dead has been nominated in six categories in the upcoming People's Choice Awards. You can read full rundowns online of who they're up against, but they've been nominated in Show of 2018, Andrew Lincoln's up for Drama TV Star of 2018, Female TV star of 2018, we've got Lauren Cohen and Denai Guerrera up in that category, and male TV star, we've got Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus up there as well. And drama show of 2018, uh, The Walking Dead is up for, as well as binge-worthy show of 2018. They're up against a huge range of shows, so it's worth checking those out. If oh, sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth checking those out if you're interested in the upcoming People's Choice Awards. From sci-fi.com, the Walking Dead logo is springing to life after years of decay and it's no accident when the credits come up next month on the extended length first episode in season 9 of AMC's The Walking Dead sharp eyed fans may notice the show's logo looking a little more verdant and naturey after years and years of progressive decay showrunner Angela Kang says in previous seasons the logo in the main titles was gradually decaying along with the world and the zombies in the show. The solid stone letters overgrown with greenery in the season 9 logo reflects the fact that we're jumping into a new chapter of the story where our characters are rebuilding and nature's thriving for better and worse
1: mm-hmm. mm, that's really
2: interesting yeah they've gone kind of big on the colour red in a lot of the promotional materials I've noticed so I'm, I'm intrigued yeah, to see I the kind that. of new aesthetic
1: yeah. Rick is wearing a red
2: shirt so that's Uh kind of scary that's the second Star Trek reference and it's not a good one Um, and our final item uh, from dawn.com a large commercial jet from Dubai caused a scare on Wednesday after a pilot radioed that it would be landing at New York's JFK airport carrying several passengers and crew crew members who fell ill with flu-like symptoms the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention immediately quarantined the double-decker Emirates aircraft holding 520 passengers so it could evaluate about 100 of them. When asked to describe the scene, passenger Aaron Sykes said very intense coughing, violently sick, going into the bathroom a lot said another flyer, Zef Shamba that he saw at least one man on the 14-hour flight coughing and vomiting. Clearly, the zombie apocalypse has begun Yeah. Now for listener feedback no fun (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, so we'll go into listener moans, grunts, and grunts.
1: All right, Aaron Carper says, I was getting some serious Rick-slash-Carl vibes from the John Dory in his cowboy hat. Uh, Now that the gang is slowly getting back together, we are now trucking down the right (laughs) path. My favorite line from this episode, The early bird gets the dead,
2: from Victor Strand. Excellent, um, <laughs> Cheryl Rainey Fox says, "I love the hope John Dory has, and the contrast of Strand's hopelessness. I loved Luciana and oh, Louis. What is with me today? Luciana and her wanting to help Clayton. I knew he was the truck driver before they told us. That evil woman is really evil, and I want to see what she does next. Me too. It'll be
1: interesting." Mm-hmm. Um, Curtis Renwick says, it seems clear to me that the showrunners have decided they want Morgan as the lead. We have watched Morgan collect new characters, characters that don't really know Alicia and Strand and Luciana. It's a shame. It isn't necessary. I think Alicia Debnam, I can't say her name. (laughs) Alicia Debnam Carey could be the lead.
2: I loved her episode with Charlie. Glad she made an appearance tonight. John Dory makes the worst rafts ever. I like Strand's taste in scotch. Those two together was good. Strand still hasn't found his way forward and John is feeling stuck. So sad when John ate June's candy. Both are pretty low right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Robertson says, another good episode. I love the stories. Uh, I love how the stories are merging back together. Dirty, quote, clear lady is a force of her own. I laughed at Momo knocking the knife out of Sarah's hand. <laughs> Let's keep on trucking to the next episode. Ready
2: for some more Alicia? Don't get bit. Thanks, Jason. Pake Allen says Yes, this is the fear that I wanted. Way to come back after last week. It had some really corny and comedic moments, some stuff was pretty big coincidence, and you know what? I'm totally okay with it. This episode made me laugh a bit and enjoy the characters, and it also hit me with some major anxiety a few times. Strand and John uh, Strand and John in the boat with the gator and the tragedy of them having to stay stuck for a while was rough, and when the creepy lady cuts in on Morgan and Alicia's conversation, that dread hit me. Excited to see what happens next. Next, fear works best when they intertwine stories instead of what they did in the past few episodes. Thanks, hmm. Pick. Yeah.
1: Okay, Rick. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Montalvin? Montalvin? Uh, Montalvan. Montalvan. I think Montalvan. Okay, I really like this episode. I'm enjoying the new characters more and more. The twins are very entertaining, and I've also liked Aaron's uh, Aaron Stanford since his role in Pyro way back in X-Men 2. Oh! Like,
2: yeah. Which one is Aaron Strand? For? I think that's Jimbo. I think that's ringing a bell now. I'm just going to check that. Yep, he was pi- do- Oh, he was Pyro. Pi- yep. Good catch. <laughs> Very cool.
1: All right. Uh, Clayton as Polar Bear was a kick in the feels, loved the Gator, and, of course, Strand and Victor was excellent. It's starting to pick up. What's with the filthy woman in Morgan? By the way, that's not what Coleman Domingo called her on The Talking Dead. Oh, I didn't watch The Talking Dead this time.
2: Mm. Oh, so that is... Ah, that's what he referred to as. Good to know. Murphy Mm. O'Connor says, If they were planning on merging the two shows together, the dirty woman could be alpha. Hmm. Mm.
1: Interesting.
2: Uh, Aaron
1: Maynard said... Thought it was a good episode. Loved Strand and
2: John. Robert, me too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Robert Parker says Alicia is still on the show, right? That wasn't just a cameo, was it?
1: <laughs> and
2: Elizabeth,
1: you're giving me all I the I was going to say, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth uh, Nikolevich. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, if I'm mispronouncing your names. Uh, the Gator is John and Strand's Moby Dick. Ah.
2: That, yep. That's an appropriate one go. for you to have there. Yeah. Um, Alicia Stout says, Oh, John Dory, you're fabulous and I believe in you. Oh, said every woman ever and every man. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Thornsbury said,
1: I'm way behind on my Walking Dead. Has Tobias come back yet? Not yet.
2: Okay, so we've now got one call, uh, which is from Steve Brown.
0: Hello, Walking Dead cast just finished watching... Blackjack and have a couple of thoughts. It was great seeing John Dory and Strand again. Um, Strand admitting that he had the perfect setup in that house was great, and uh, he loves hearing the sound of his own voice. I don't know if anybody's mentioned that before. Um, Purvis was not polar bear. Obviously, it was the guy in the car, I'm thinking, because he had the journals and everything. He was a truck driver. Um, Everyone except the crazy lady is looking for something to redeem themselves. It it seems like Morgan and Alicia both used that line, of I've got things to make up for. And I love that it looks like we're getting our cast back together. Hopefully next week they'll all be back together, or or maybe it'll be a couple of weeks, because from the trailer it looked like uh, we're going to see some more of the crazy lady. And uh, just... uh, I really like this episode. I, I have not been impressed with the last few episodes, so this one... Made me happy, uh, especially seeing John Dorian and Strand. So, thanks. Bye. Uh, I misspoke. It, it was Luciana who said that uh, she has things to make up for. And uh, so I, I like that. And, and I like that character. I know some people didn't like her in previous seasons, but I, I, I'm i seeing the benefits of her now. So, anyway, thanks. Bye. Awesome. Yeah,
1: thanks. Yeah, I'm glad you liked the episode. It was the a great episode. call. That was... It, the more I talk through it, the more I like the episode and, and people are bringing out some, some good points about it.
2: Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's our show, episode 324. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Emily, it was great to have you on. I always love your great calls in on. and it's even better to speak with you in person, so I hope we'll have you back at some point soon. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Okay, so if you'd like to call us, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains
1: at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at
2: podcastica.com. So we'll be back next week to cover Fear the Walking Dead Season 4 Episode 4 MM54 Which I'm sure stands for Momo 54 but we'll see <laughs> what happens With that. More numbers More numbers
1: <laughs> Alright that's our show Thanks for listening Don't get it
2: bit Sean Gross When my
1: time comes around Lay me gently In the cold darker. No grave can hold my body down I'll
2: crawl to her